0: Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Steven. This is season 3, episode 6, Gods, Humans, Aliens and Ghosts. So last time we talked about what the Bible says that it's important that we don't develop our theology off of our experiences and feelings, that we actually get our theology from the Bible, right? Specifically in regards to ghosts, angels and demons have been around observing humans for thousands of years and they know how to manipulate us and how to scare us and how to appear to us, right? There are three instances that I could find that ghosts are mentioned in the Bible. One was Eliphaz, Job's friend, that saw a ghost. Um, Then there was King Saul; he saw the prophet Samuel come back from the dead to talk to him. And then you have Jesus's story of the rich man and Lazarus, where Jesus said that the dead are not allowed to warn the living about the afterlife. The dead can't come back as a warning to us. And then, of course, we looked at a couple of verses that talked about how once uh, our spirit dies that we do not wander this earth. We do not come back to our home. There was a lot of cool stuff in there. The conclusion ultimately was that um, ghosts are most likely demons. Now this time we're going to be talking about ancient gods. So by definition, an ancient God is a superhuman being or spirit that was worshiped as having power over nature or human fortunes, a deity. They're a being that is beyond human beings comprehension as far as uh, current knowledge or science. So they would not be able to understand the miracles, the supernatural things that those beings did because by definition above the natural supernatural means science and and humans cannot understand it. So oftentimes these deities were invisible. They had magical capabilities. They had power to create. uh, They would do miracles to heal people and so on. So we're going to go into some of the cultural examples. All right. And I'm just going to list some gods here. And uh, I'm by no means am I giving an exhaustive list here. So if you enjoy mythology and, and, uh, studying some of these ancient cultures, I'll probably miss ones that you're aware of. Okay. Just so you know, I, I cannot do every ancient God in one or two podcasts, but we're going to start with the Egyptian gods. Um, there was Osiris, the God of the underworld. So the dead ISIS was his wife. He was, she was similar to the Greek goddess Aphrodite. Horus was their son. He was the sky God depicted as a Falcon, a God of hunting and war. And keep in mind when I, when I talk about all these, notice how often you will see that these, um, gods and goddesses were half human and half something else or depicted as animals. Seth was the God of chaos. He was dog-like or a human form with the head of this dog. Ta was the god of craftsmen and builders, educated people, helped them to build great things. Ray, or I've heard other people pronounce it, Ra, was the sun god. Uh, Anubis was depicted as a jackal, and this was the embalmer or funeral god prior to Osiris. It was uh, assumed that he was the most powerful deity of the underworld. Thoth is shown as a baboon or with the head of an ibis. He was considered to be the God of wisdom and writing, the inventor of hieroglyphic script. Bastet uh, was a God that had the head of a lion or a cat. And then you'll see a lot of more uh, recent Egyptian archaeological finds was actual cats revered. Well, that was because of Bastet. Amon or Ammon was the god of the air regarded as the hidden one that eventually merged with Ra, the sun god. So those are a lot of the different ones from ancient Egypt. Now, of course, if you remember the 10 plagues of Egypt that God did when he freed the Israelites, each of those actually was associated with one of the great gods that they worshipped during that time then the ones that most people have probably uh, read about in school or have seen in the movies and stuff is the Greek and Roman gods. All right. We have the God, uh, goddess Aphrodite. She was, uh, had to do with love, sex, and beauty. And then Artemis was the uh, huntress and protector of the living. She is associated with the Roman deity Diana. So they were like the same, just in different cultures. And then Ares was the god of bloodlust, and he enjoyed sacrifices of dogs. Now, this one, when I studied this one, kind of made me think a lot about the uh, religion of Islam. And I did uh, a couple of podcasts on that in the past. The bloodlust. I mean, the war, the self-sacrifice, the beheading, the tortures, some of their uh, rituals that they do. Where they actually take young boys and teach them to strike their head with a hatchet or a knife until there's rivers of blood flowing on the street. And it's like a dance and a huge thing that they do. And then the fact so the bloodlust kind of fits in here with their worship of Allah. And then the number one animal that Muslims enjoy killing is dogs, they say that they're dirty creatures. The things that they did to dogs is just despicable. They enjoy sacrificing dogs. So in my head, I'm thinking that this Ares maybe showed himself to Muhammad and called himself Allah in the Arabic language. I don't know, just a thought there. But uh, the god of bloodlust, Ares, in Rome, he was called Mars. Okay, and then we have uh, Apollo, the son of Zeus. He revealed his will through oracles and then Demeter was an agricultural goddess of mystery. They formed what is called the Eleusinian Mysteries where people were initiated in stages into her religion with yearly pilgrimages and promises of status in the afterlife. People still to this day do not know what the initiates had to perform in their rituals in these Ellicinian mysteries. This one's just very interesting if you study cultures. Um, a lot of cultures have the mysterious, you know, and, and the gods that they worship and secret rites and rituals, right? So it's ve- that one's very interesting. And then there's another one, uh, Dionysus, the son of Zeus, born to a mortal mother. So here's Zeus sleeping with a human intoxication sex and sacrifices is what uh he is associated with depicted as a bull and his equivalent in rome was bacchus the god of wine then we have hades the god of the dead he was known for his cunning poseidon was the god of the sea and horses he fathered a winged horse the pegasus i believe it's called and a cyclops and his roman equivalent is neptune So that one's rather interesting. And then Zeus overthrew Cronus. He became the chief deity among his siblings and children. And he controlled the weather, God of the sky and thunder. When I think of Zeus, sky and thunder, I think of lightning bolts as well. And then he had a weakness for mortal women. Another God who slept with human women. And his Roman equivalent is Jupiter. Then we have Hermes. Roman equivalent is Mercury. He was the God of translators and interpreters, and he was the most clever of the Olympian gods and served as a messenger for all the other gods. So there's a lot of cool ones in there and pay special attention to Mercury and Jupiter, those two Roman gods. All right. Then we had some Norse gods. Now this is where it gets fascinating. If you're really into uh, studying the magic and the folklore and the mythology and stuff of ancient cultures, the norse gods they actually had a race of giants and i am not scandinavian or from the norse you know religion so i don't know how to say all this stuff all right but the the jotnar was a race of giants they also had elves dwarves and magical animals as well as monsters that these gods were involved in creating uh they had two basic groups of gods they had the warrior gods, the Acer, and the Vanir, which were the fertility gods. Freyr was the horned god of fertility. A boar is associated with him. He's known as the king of the elves or the elves. Uh, then there was another one, which was Magni, the son of Thor, and a giantess, Jarn- Jarnsaxa. So now the gods were getting into the crossbreeding with giants, okay? Uh, was the goddess of gold. She was burned to death three times and reborn. Heimdall was the watchman of the gods. He was associated with the sea and he was known for wooing human women and thereby creating three new races of men. So I'm thinking of these elves and dwarves and the giants and such. Now I don't know how deep that mythology goes, But it's very interesting that they say that these gods created things, right? Different races of beings. And this is another interesting thing. He owns a horn that can be heard in all of the nine worlds that they believe in when he blows it. So when this God, the watchman of the gods blows a horn, everybody hears it around the world. Uh, Then we have Loki. You've probably heard of him, the trickster. He was born from two giants and he likes to create problems and then the solutions to the problems for the the different gods. He's also uh, pops up in Native American mythology as the trickster. And then we have Odin, or depending on the dialect, it's called Woden or Wotan. He was the father of all the gods and men. He was a god of magic, wisdom, wit, and learning. And in later times, he was associated with war and bloodshed from the Viking perspective, and he required human sacrifices. Thor was the god of war, thunder, and strength, and he destroyed the enemies of the gods with his magic hammer. Now, his hammer, uh, Jolnir, I think it's called, is. Um, what is associated with the modern mythology of Thor, where even in ancient Norse mythology, the lightning flashes when he would hurl his, uh, hammer in battle. And then of course the rolling thunder that you would hear as a result of that was actually the rumble of his fiery chariot. Think about where you've heard some of these things, cause it'll come up later. So he married Sif, a human woman got a common theme going through all this stuff, right? We've got uh, the different half breeds of animals and such. And then the fact that many of these gods loved to have sex with human beings and then had offspring by them is what this mythology is. And this comes from all the mythologies around the world. Well, I shouldn't say all, but many of them, right? Then we get into some of the uh, other ones that um, don't really deal with the ancient gods that I'm talking about in this podcast, but the American Indians and then uh, African tribes and such, uh, many of them worship one particular spirit. Uh, Some uh, American Indian tribes called it the great spirit, similar to the God of the Bible who created everything. Worship of nature or totems, worship of animals, not really pertinent to ancient gods that took human form that, that I'm talking about. But they did worship the trickster. Um, the Blackfeet, the Crow Indians, uh, called him the old man. The Lakota Indians called him the Iktomi. And then the Cheyenne Indians um, called him Viho, So it's Loki. Is it, I mean, all of the aspects of this God, Norse God, are in the trickster or the old man here. And then the Blackfeet, this is really interesting. They actually, the Blackfeet Indians actually believed in sky beings And they had a plural God, the Apistatoki, which was known as the source of all life. And he created the sky beings. The sky beings were the different gods and goddesses, the sun, the moon, the stars. So that one's got some biblical overtones to it. Okay. Because remember in the Bible, and I'll bring this up again with actual verses later, is that in the Bible, the angels are called the stars, so I, I kind of lean towards the Blackfeet understanding of angels here, and then the, the plural God who created them all, which is pretty cool. So in regards to uh, what the Bible says about all this, I wanted to bring up something that I had mentioned before is the word Elohim. Elohim is used in Genesis 1-1 for the creator God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and, and the English language God there is, is the hebrew word elohim and i had incorrectly during the spiritual warfare series stated that this was a unique name for god the almighty creator of the universe and elohim is not and i wanted to show you how i know that and what i've learned since then the word elohim is used for in the beginning god created and then in first samuel 28 13 This was with Samuel coming up from the witch of Endor, bringing him back to life, basically. And the king said to her, be not afraid for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, King Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. That's the word Elohim, gods. So she is referring to a spirit being, which was the dead spirit of Samuel, the prophet of God. The woman saw him ascending out of the earth, and that fits with Abraham's bosom. He came up from out of the earth, and the word Elohim is used to describe him. It clearly cannot just mean the almighty creator of the universe, God. Then we look at Genesis 35, 2. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. So he was talking about false gods. That word for gods is also Elohim. Then we have Exodus 34, 14, God himself speaking. He says, for thou shalt worship no other God. That's the word El in Hebrew, which is short for Elohim. Okay. For the Lord, and that word is Jehovah, to designate the name of the God of Israel. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a Jealous God. That's the word El again. So God is used for false gods and for the one true God, the word El. And then verse 15 says, Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods, Elohim, and do sacrifice unto their gods, Elohim. My conclusion on this is that the word Elohim is a generic term, God, like we use the word God. When I say false gods, fake gods, pharaohs, gods, Etc. And, oh yeah, the God of the Bible. I use the word God, G-O-D, for all of that. And it's a generic term based on the context, you know who I'm talking about. But the fact that that is also used about human spirits in the Old Testament tells me that this word Elohim in the Bible, in Hebrew, is actually even more generic than our word God. It more refers to, hey, that's a spirit being. That's something supernatural. So it could refer to human spirits, gods, angels, God himself, any number of things. It's a spiritual being that has power. Okay. That's because the word Elohim literally means mighty. The Bible does back up the fact that ancient religions and cultures worshiped other gods and they use this word Elohim. So I want to show you that in both the Old Testament and the New. Let's look at the Egyptian gods in Exodus 12 12. This is God Himself talking about the tenth plague that He's going to slay the firstborn of everyone in Egypt. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. God's there is the word Elohim. So this is an acknowledgement that the Egyptians worshipped many different spirit beings that were mighty. For the record, the Bible does not teach that there is more than one God. There is only one God. Jesus himself said it. Let's not confuse the terms here. When we talk about the God, Jehovah, And then in the poor English translations that we carry around with us, we see the word God, lowercase g, used. We have to understand that that's not a real God. When that word is used in the Bible, it's talking about a spirit being. The context tells you what kind of spirit it is and whether it is the Holy Spirit, the Almighty God. Okay. The Greeks also are mentioned in the Bible and their gods. Let me just read this to you in Acts fourteen eight. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leapt and walked. So he did a miracle. He healed a guy that had never walked in his life. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of Lake Heonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. So they expected their gods that they worshiped to appear as normal humans. The word that they use for gods is theos because it's Greek, not Hebrew. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul, Mercury, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, the god, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands into the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. Which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, Theos, the same exact word that these people had used. But they call him the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. So, context, they are specifying this is the most powerful being, not just some spirit that does a little miracle. The conclusion of, uh, of this today in regards to these different cultures and the people in ancient times and the gods that have come down to people or appeared to people or been written about, even if they are completely fake, right? Number one, most cultures have at some time worshiped gods, many of them, multiple gods, right? And it seems that the further back in time that you go, the more people talk of actually seeing these gods, Now, if you get somebody who worships Thor, okay, today, 2024, I doubt that that person will tell you they have seen Thor or that they know someone that has seen Thor. But if you go back further in time, you find multiple instances where people say they have seen him. So that's what I'm getting at further back in time, right? The ancient gods were oftentimes half human, half something else. They were associated with the race of giants. They could take human form and they had power over nature. Now here's the point. The Bible backs up this fact that people worshiped other gods. I just read you a bunch of verses, right? It's very clear that God, the God of the Bible understands that people worshiped other beings. Okay. And the same word that we translate as gods, Elohim, is also used of of human spirits, Samuel. This would indicate that our understanding of the word for God in the Bible is not the same as how they understood it. We use God and gods only to refer to all powerful beings and the true God of the universe. Their words, Elohim and Theos, refers to anything of the spirit world, human spirits included. In the New Testament, that word theos is used to denote gods of other religions, and specifically Jupiter and Mercury. This does not mean that they are gods as you and I in modern times understand it. It merely means that they are spiritual beings. All right, last point angels and demons are spiritual beings. Very interesting fits the definitions and the use of these words in the Bible, angels and demons. Now, next time, next week, I'm going to prove to you that demons are the ancient gods by using specific verses in the Bible, and I will show you what I think the origins of most of the mythology in the world is surrounding giants, elves, magic, centaurs, mermaids, etc., There's some fascinating stuff in the Bible that you may not have considered. You can always email me at angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. And until next time, may God bless you. All right. And here we are just shutting down everything. So thanks for listening, guys.